So I want to welcome everybody to the uh, pilot podcast of Almost Inappropriate Sports Pod, a weekly sports podcast touching on all the major sports and all the major headlines and news from those sports from a slightly different perspective. With We don't have any sponsorships. We don't have any ulterior motives. We're just talking about the facts of the actual situation. So what we're going to do, first thing, we figure it's no, no need to tiptoe into the show. We're going to start out with the first topic of the day, NBA, and we're going to go with Kobe Bryant versus Michael Jordan. But we're going to take it from a different perspective of why Michael will never be loved like Kobe's getting his love right now. Now, Kobe Bryant, very tragic situation. It, it touched me in a different way. It was still in the sense of, like, this can't be true and, no, nah, not Kobe. But once it settles in, now you get to a point of where you're like, man, everybody's showing the Kobe tributes. Everybody's showing the, sharing the stories of how Kobe touched their life and Mamba mentality and all of this and all of that. And it's a sense of most times when people are talking and, and you even go to the NBA, you can go to sports announcers, you, you can go over to China, Philippines. People are speaking of Kobe in a light of love. They're, they're not speaking of Kobe in the light of this mythical figure. They're speaking of Kobe in the light of love. They're speaking of Kobe against, or they're speaking of Kobe aside from his basketball triumphs. They're speaking of Kobe in the light of the man, the love that they have for the man, Kobe Bryant. And that's why you're seeing the tributes that you're seeing. That's why you're seeing the different people, and they're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe Kobe's gone the man. The weird contrast is, and the reason why Kobe will always be loved more than Le- or more than Michael, uh, excuse me, more than Michael Jordan, is because Michael was such a mythical figure. Michael was idolized. Michael is idolized in a way of distance of Mount Rushmore that you'll never be able to reach. Michael is idolized for what he did on the court. Michael is idolized as a figure of almost basketball perfection. So if he's perfection in his specific niche or his specific profession, now you get to a situation where it's like, well, why doesn't he get the love? Because he doesn't. Mike is living right now. I mean, Mike, if you see Mike, you'd be like, man, I saw Michael Jordan. Because I saw the, the basketball god. I seen the mythical figure that is him. But you're not saying it in the sense of, man, I love Mike. When people say they love Mike, they say they love Michael Jordan, Bulls 23, crossover Byron Scott, or Scott, excuse me, crossover Byron Russell, hand in the air. They love the flu game. They love tongue sticking out, Air Jordan, gold chain, slam dunk contest. They love the shoulder shrug against the Blazers. Those are all the things that they love They love when they say they love Michael Jordan. Nobody says, man, I love Mike when he was with the Wizards. Because nobody remembers that. But the reason you don't remember that is because it tarnishes the image of this mythical figure. Like So you're never going to say, oh, well, when Mike was with the Wizards, man, he was. No. Because when Mike was, was Mike, when Mike was with the Wizards, Mike was challenging the younger Wizards players to three-point contests. He, Mike Mike isn't giving Rip Hamilton the game on the mid-range jumper. He had that. What Mike is doing, he's just going to challenge your competitive nature. And he's just going to push you. He's going to push you. And even when they say the point of Mike made his players around him better, no, he didn't. Mike didn't make Scotty. Scotty was the player he was going to be. All Mike did was put Scotty on a platform of NBA playoffs, of big games, of um, spotlight. So he's going to force out the presence that is Michael Jordan is going to force out whatever competitive nature you have in you. You don't have no choice because you about to show up on a big stage. That's what, like, in the sense of LeBron, I don't even want to use LeBron in this conversation, but even in the sense of LeBron, I'm about to take you to the finals. You going to the finals. When we get there, you need to show up. And so that's why in a lot of LeBron's cases, his players just didn't show up. It's not that he didn't make them better because he made them, he got the most out of what they had to offer. Mike didn't, Mike gave you, Mike made you turn into what he could use you for. 
And if he could not use you, you did not get the ball. You did not get on the court. So to my point, no one remembers those first couple years when Mike was leading the league and scoring and got the coach fired. Nobody remembers those because that tarnishes the image of the mythical figure that is Michael Jordan. Not Kobe. Kobe is loved. The reason Kobe is loved is because you saw Kobe fall. Kobe was the poster. People forget that Kobe was the poster child for the squeaky clean image. Him and Grant Hill was running neck and neck for the squeaky clean image. Only difference is Kobe had the results. Kobe was winning. Now, Grant Hill could have won too, but Grant Hill was getting hurt, so that's a whole other discussion. Grant Hill could have been... Grant Hill could have been, shoot, LeBron or Kawhi before LeBron and Kawhi. But Kobe had the results. So Kobe's winning stuff. He's more, he's more likable. He's more accessible. He's bilingual, so he can, he can go. When, at the time Kobe was coming up, Kobe was coming up in the David Stern era where he wanted to globalize the league. And Kobe could do that. Kobe was bilingual. Kobe could go to Italia and cut a rap album in Italia. He could do that. But the reason he could do that is because of his background. And he, he went played soccer, and he had all these other cultural things that went along with it. So he was a poster child to the point of even if you look at the early Kobe years, his peers, Rasheed Wallace, AI, Damon Stoudemire. He don't fit that. He don't even, he don't even he, not only do he not fit it, he don't even look good in that crowd. Even Shaq. Shaq's early years, when, when Shaq was with the Lakers initially, when Kobe got there, he wanted to trade Kobe because they, he didn't fit in. Kobe didn't fit in who, who, who I'm cool with. Yeah, he all right, but go trade him for Penny, man. Bring Penny over here because I'm cool with Penny. Penny fit more. We can win now. This is because, before Kobe becomes who Kobe ended up being. So my point is, my, to my bigger point of why Kobe is loved, is that why he was on that squeeze, his squeaky clean image he got knocked down hard. Like, well, not hard. Like, Kobe didn't just fall. Like, Kobe was, Kobe is the first social media athlete. And, and, and what I mean by that is, it was social media before we knew what social media was. There were people getting in trouble before Kobe, but Kobe wasn't, Kobe was so big that once he got in trouble, now you got press at the, at the court dates. Now you got, well, how do you feel about this? Now you got questions about everything else going on. You can't sweep this under the rug. He's too big. So not only is he too big and he's too much of a media darling at the time that when he falls, it's like, oh, we couldn't wait for this. Now I could go into a bigger issue of race and how race played a part in it and, and all that, but I'm not even going to go into that on this. On this. But the the grandiose point is more to the fact that when Kobe falls, he falls so hard that it's like, this should be career ending for you. We should never hear from you again. So it forced him because they, you got to remember, Kobe lost sponsorships. Kobe lost millions when this case came about. They was dropping. Kobe was losing sponsorships left and right. Kobe lost uh, Natalia. If I'm, if I'm saying it right, the Italian peanut butter dropped him for a little bit. When you lose a peanut butter contract, you was in trouble. So he didn't just lose major contracts like Adidas. He losing little stuff as well because you're no longer the face. I can't use you as the face because you, you got a, a, a rape case pending. Not a rape case. We, we can get into that. But I think it was Fugazi. I don't think it was nothing. I, I think he just picked the wrong one at the wrong time, and that just happened. But either way, it ended up being a blessing for him. See, because when he got knocked down to the point where he was humbled— now all he's doing is strictly putting his work into his craft. He was already devoted to his craft before. But now it's like, this is my safe haven. This is the only thing to keep my mind of all the stress that I'm going through. So it's going to make me a monster. Kobe going to court, coming back, dropping 40s and 50s every night. Kobe's going through this. I'm the only one in the gym. Because when I'm in the gym, I can just zone out. When I got worried about nothing, all I can do is basketball. So it forced him to be a monster. It forced him to be isolated. It forced him to be humble. And when it forced him to be humble, you you be when he comes out of it on the other side, now you're getting the the the, the retrospective Kobe Bryant. You know, no, you're no longer getting the politically correct. I'm only making the proper. I'm only saying the right things at the right time because I'm worried about how it can be perceived. You're not getting that anymore. 
You're getting this is how I feel right now. Nah, we we suck right now. We need to get better. Nah, we 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 not we not as good as we need to be, man. I'm better than dude. We don't even have to send this through him. We can send this through me. Man, I might leave. I might go to the Clippers. Cause y'all, I don't I don't like how he threatened he threatened Jerry Buss to go to the Clippers. And Jerry Buss was like, No, nah, we gonna clear out everything else for you. You ain't going nowhere. To the Clippers? No, nah, ain't no way we about to let you go to the Clippers. So we what we gonna do is we're gonna go ahead and just sit back. Don't trip. We're going to shoot Shaq to Miami, and we're going to bring back as much as we can bring back. This is why Kobe, this is the only time you've seen Kobe in a press conference smiling because it was the turnover in the, the this is your team. So now this is this is your team. So that's why you got Kobe in a press conference with Lamar Odom, Karan Butler, and I can't even think of the other other, other person that's part of the trade right now, but he got his arms around all of them like, yes, we. this is my team and these are my guys. Because he was still trying to learn and grow. Mike never did that. Mike didn't care. Mike, Mike, Mike didn't even talk to his players. Michael Jordan never even, he, he never, I'm going to management. I'm going above y'all. I'm bigger than this. I'm going above y'all. If you just look at it, Mike, Mike never has, you don't have the heartwarming Michael Jordan stories. You don't have that. Now, mind you, now I give you the fact that Kobe dies, you're getting more of the heartwarming stories now, but even the clips that are playing, the media, even even the way that you're getting the Kobe story, you're getting a lot more Kobe dialogue than you're getting Kobe highlights. The highlights go along with the dialogue because that's that's where you got the whole mama mentality because he has to explain what mama mentality is. So you're hearing that. You're hearing him talk about it. You don't hear nothing from Mike. To this day, you don't hear nothing from Mike. To the point, Mike is an owner. And one of the worst owners in the NBA right now. And he don't care. So that's why he will never be loved. He'll just be idolized. He'll just constantly be this mythical figure. You have people right now, 30 years after Mike, not 30 years after Mike retired, but Mike retired in what, 90. So you had 20 years after Mike retired. And you still have people that are literally saying, I'm still chasing Mike. You'll never catch him. It's impossible. But see, you have this whole generation now where Kobe was their Michael Jordan in the sense of they grew up watching Kobe highlights. So Mike is like, yeah, they say Mike is the greatest player, and I'm sure he was, but I saw Kobe. The greatest players of this generation, the Kevin Durant, the Damian Lillard, the Russell Westbrooks. I mean, I mean, you can even go LeBron's. They watched Kobe. They didn't watch Mike in real life, in real time. Like Some of them caught the tail end of Mike, but they got the everybody loves Mike, so you should love Mike too type syndrome. But the problem with Michael is Mike is only worried about Mike. He's not talking. Now, Kobe got in a lot of trouble coming along because he was talking. Kobe honestly didn't get loved until, because he was hated for a while, but Kobe didn't get loved until toward the end of his career. Toward the end of his career, when he was no longer a realistic threat, he was still Kobe, but he was he wasn't. He was Mamba, and that's when he gave himself the name Mamba, and and it was fitting for when he was who he was. But toward the end, it it was just like, man, we appreciate you, Kobe. He got that he got that type of treatment. We appreciate you that 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 Kobe farewell tour. That was when we appreciate you, Kobe. That's when he got the love that he deserved, honestly. So then everything after that was just more and more love being showered on Kobe, more and more respect, more and more appreciation showered on Kobe. Whereas when you looked at Mike, people forget Mike at the Wizards. They don't even think about Mike at the Wizards because for what? Why would I even worry about that? No, the Mike that I love was Mike 23. The Mike that I love was the shrug against the Blazers. The the Mike that I love is the dunk on uh, Patrick Ewing in the Garden. That's the Mike I love. I'm not worried about what he was at the end of his career. I'm not worried that he never said nothing. I'm not worried that he never spoke on social issues. I'm not worried that the biggest athlete in the world literally refused to comment on, like, cultural or social issues or climates or the environment. I'm not worried about that because I'm in love with the player he is. I'm in love with what he does at his profession. But I'm not in love with the man. See, people fell in love with Kobe as the as the man because Kobe was Kobe was actually wedged in between two generations. Kobe caught the tail end of Mike, 
So he caught the tail end of that era. So when it was supposed to turn over into the Kobe Bryant era, that's when he gets in trouble. That's when he gets knocked down. That's when he gets humbled. As he starts to come out of that, now here comes LeBron. Then you get, not only do you have LeBron, then you end up getting the big three in in Boston. So you have all these other storylines that take away from the fact that Kobe was a beast during that time period. So Kobe never really had his era. His era is always shared. Like, even when he was winning rings, it was like Kobe was viewed as one of the best, not the best. Like, and so... Now, if you're a Kobe fan, of course, you're always going to say Kobe was the best, da 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 all this stuff. But in reality, mainstream media or the masses really didn't view Kobe in that light. They, they respected Kobe. You had to. You didn't have no choice. He forced you to. But he was never deemed as the best because, which is retarded. Not retarded. I'm not going to say retarded. But which um, doesn't make much sense to me if people always held it against him that he wanted to be Michael Jordan or wanted to be like Michael Jordan. My question is, if this is the picture of perfection, supposedly, or this is whom you deem as the best of this, that ever done this particular thing, sport, whatever, why wouldn't I want to be Michael Jordan? Like, I never understood that. I never understood what people's argument against Kobe was, oh, he want to be like Jordan. I don't like that. Well, who should he try to be like? Sam Bowie? Like, like, do you, like, do you, do you, do you really hold it against a man that wants to be the best at something? Like, I, I, and I guess that's a major, that's a, that's a larger cultural issue because it, it can come down to race, or it can come down to his demeanor, or it can come down to the fact that he doesn't fit into, does or slash didn't fit into what the black quote unquote black image was at the time. So, it's almost in the sense of. He wasn't he wasn't AI with the Braves or he wasn't uh the the Portland Trail Braves with Sheed and uh Damon Stoudemire and all the all the 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 jailblazers as they was called back then. They, in that era is when though that's what was idolized. And he wasn't after everything happened he was and he was brought down and now he was not Grant Hill playing the piano at ESPN Studios. Now he's not that either. So where does he fall? Now you want to be Jordan, so you're coming on the tail end of the Jordan era, but you're not quite the Kobe that you become at the tail end of the Jordan era. So it's not a passing of the torch. See, and and that's another point that people don't really take into account, that he wasn't Mamba at the time of Jordan leaving. He was Kobe Bryant, but he wasn't Kobe. So, whereas that would be his time to, I'm about to step up. You have people saying at the time, like, oh, Tracy McGrady's better than Kobe Bryant. No, he's not. <laughs> no, no, he's not. But at the time, you have those type of discussions. At the time, you have those type of debates. And then now you look back and you're like, no, nah, like, it's crazy. that." But you have people at the t- at, that said Steve Francis was better than Kobe Bryant for a while, for a time period, like in that, in that moment. So my, my, to my bigger point is he was never, he had never had the opportunity to just be idolized. He never had the opportunity to just be him. But then toward the end of his career, when you start hearing him speak, toward the end of the career, when you start hearing his mentality on things, after his career is over and you see what, father, what type of father he becomes, that's when the love starts. And that's why Michael never be that love because he never let anyone into that space. He never let anyone into that space of even his Hall of Fame speech was petty. <laughs> his Hall of Fame speech, you you think the man that took your spot on the basketball team in 10th grade, this is how petty you are, man. You really sound miserable. You really sound like you're a miserable old man at this point. And, but Kobe generally seemed like he was happy. So therefore, you can breed love because you're breeding positivity. Mike really doesn't breed that. You're an owner, and you refuse to pay people. Refuse to pay people. Not like, oh, I don't think, like, you are flat out telling people, yeah, I know you're a fan favorite, but I don't think you're worth it. Damn, Mike. <laughs> Damn, Mike, that's how, you, that's how you feel about it. Like, 
But there was a time when you wanted to get paid. You was in the league. But nobody talks about that because it's like, it's, 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 it's almost blasphemous to speak the Michael Jordan name or brand in a negative light. But this isn't a good, like, I, I'm, I'm not going to say he's not a good person because I don't know him. I don't know him personally, but that's the point. No one knows him. And he's made it a point to make sure it stays that way. So he can never be loved. He'll never. He'll always be idolized as a mythical figure. He'll always be Achilles storming the Trojans. But he can never be um, loved in the sense of, of Kobe. He'll never be loved in the sense of some. This 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 is how I put it to somebody earlier. Like Michael is Michael is remembered for being the top of his profession. But Michael's like Mitch and paid in full. Like. If I if I lead a game, is the fans still gonna love me beat? And the answer is no. No, they don't. They respect you though, and they respect the work you put in. But nah, they don't love you. So we're back with almost inappropriate. Now, I wanna touch on an issue that I feel like is being pushed under the rug right now, but it's unfairly being pushed under the rug, and I feel like the reason is because they don't really know what to do with it. Know what to do with it by the sense of you're, you have a scandal in Major League Baseball right now. And it is one of those, one of those, um, best way to put it, one of those you tarnish the spirit of the game type scandals. Um, and, and to me, it's personally on the level of the Black Sox scandal. Um, the issue is sign stealing and notifications to the batters while they're in the box through the use of technology. Now, before I before I continue on with this, I want to explain that I am fully aware that sign stealing goes on in all aspects of baseball, from Little League baseball all the way up to the show. It's no question, sign stealing. But the integrity of the game is that I with my skills and my mental prowess figured out what your sign is. And I use that to get the advantage. And that in the spirit and the essence of itself is perfectly fine. If I can outsmart you, if I know, if I know every time, if I know every time you turn the ball in the glove, you're getting ready to throw a curveball and you're getting your finger set. That's just an advantage that I got mentally. That's just that's just a part of film study and hard work. Where the problem is now is the Houston scandal is using technology and to the point of they're accused of using actual devices in the batter's box to know what pitch is coming. Like so and and, and I and I see and I view this on a bigger scale than what, what's being kind of portrayed by the mainstream media and by Major League Baseball, even for that matter. Because there's slaps on the wrist going around like like a kindergarten class. But the issue is that you had a whole steroid scandal, right? Where you were bringing in people's family. I mean you so you have the Barry Bond steroid scandal. The Mark McGuire, the Sammy Sosa's, the uh, um, Braun. You had all these steroids, Roger Clemens, Jose, uh, Jose Canseco, um, Rafael Palmeiro, and you, and there was tons more. Jeff Bagwell was never brought in, but he just got huge for no reason. But anyway, you had this steroid scandal, and you were like, this was the worst thing going on in baseball. We have to cut it out. The, the steroids only affects one player. And not only does it only affect one player— it makes steroids won't make an average player great. Steroids make good players great and great players historic. That's what steroids do. Now, it's still one batter or it's still one pitcher or it's still one outfielder. And and, and to that point, when the whole large steroid scandal was going on, which is completely different, a whole different show of how they allowed the steroid scandal to go on with uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa's race for 95, uh, <laughs> race for 95 home runs. But then when Barry Bonds came around, who, by the way, was already on pace to be a Hall of Famer. Let's start there. 
Because I feel like when the, when you mention steroids and Barry Bonds, people try to, like, pigeonhole his whole career into those last four or five seasons. He was a 40-40 guy in Pittsburgh before he went to San Francisco, was a 40-40 guy in San Francisco, and then turned around and saw that he wasn't getting— he 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 said he started using steroids after the Mar- he saw the attention Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were, were getting, which you know envy, ego uh, plays a part, but he still had a historic season that season, so it wasn't even like he was just having a terrible career and then was like up oh, I'm gonna use some steroids I'm gonna be great it wasn't even that situation but that's how they'll try to portray it. If he had stopped the year before he started using steroids and just retired, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, no question. But you're not, y'all not going to give him that credit, so whatever. So anyway, to my point is steroids affect one batter. When, when Barry Bonds was, was in the midst of his steroid scandal, they started walking him, period. And that negates whatever advantage you feel like he's getting because you can walk him. You can go ahead and put him on base. You can pitch around him. You can not give him anything to hit. You have other options if you feel like this person is cheating. How can you pitch around an entire lineup? How can you walk a batter who has a sensor on him that knows the pitches? Now, and, and how do you get into a situation where you have certain players, and I'm not even going to really use names, but you have certain players that they're bat- their batting average at home where it's proven that they've had this technology to cheat. Their batting average at home is 385, 375. But then their batting average on the road, 192, 205. Like the disparity is so huge. And... and and I feel like there was something to be said before it came public. I, mean, I feel like like somebody knew before it became public. People knew. People knew to the fact of you have players, and I can say his name because he's on record. Justin Verlander comes out and says, I should have did more. Well, to say that you should have did more implicates everybody that's going on. Every It validates every allegation that's being thrown at you because you're saying, I should have did more. I knew. And you're a pitcher. You're not in the lineup. So you're not even directly getting this technology. You're not even directly a part of the cheating system. So that means if you knew as a pitcher, and other pitchers have said the same thing, as a pitcher on this team that you knew, it's more widespread than just the the people that are in the lineup that day. And to me personally, you've ruined lives. Take, for for example, like... uh, Insert picture here. Yeah, I you you Darvish. You guys came up and lit him up. Sent him to the minors. Now, granted, he's on the tail end of his career anyway. He had he had a couple of bright spots. But my point, my bigger point is that you are affecting people's livelihood and you're cheating. You're not just better, you're cheating. You're good. These are good players. I don't want to ever take anything away from these players. They made it. They're good. But you're but you're cheating, and you're affecting people's money. Like like if if you're playing the Dodgers, and you you're playing Clayton Kershaw, you know that this great slider, great curveball that he throws is coming. You can hit this, or you can't, but you know it's coming. You can adjust because these aren't average players. These aren't below average players. If I know what you're about to do, I'm good enough where I can adjust and I can can hit and I can can put it in play at least. Whereas if I didn't know, I may not be able to do this. My bigger point is that the results are drastically different if you're actually not using this technology and cheating in this way. So to the point of you ain't got championships. You like you ain't got a championship cheating. And then they turn around and say, you guys shouldn't have did that. You know what? Yeah, we can't let you coach, man. Yeah, you you uh yeah, I know you on another team right now, Alex Cora, but you know, we're gonna go ahead and have to let you go, man. Cause you you 
You was, now you was involved in that stuff over there, man. I, no, I know. I, I, no, I know. It's not really your fault. But uh, we're going to have to go and get rid of you right now. What? <laughs> what? Like, it, 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 it's baffling the way this is trying to be pushed under the rug. And it is such a major story. It's such a major story in a way that you, you're affecting so many people. You've affected that 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 two run double that you hit on a random Thursday night. That might have affected somebody's ERA to the point of he had a bonus on the way, and now he can't get that. He he had two three hundred thousand dollar bonus if he kept his ERA under three, but then he comes up to you guys on a Wednesday night and you you hang six on him, and they send him to the minors. Or they came up from the minors. It will come up from the minors. You hang a nine piece on them in Houston. So they send them back down. Like it, it's so much bigger. And I think I feel like the reason that they don't they don't they litigate it differently is because how can you really go back and take away all the stats? How do I know when you hit this? 85 mile an hour slider because you knew it was coming and when you just hit it because you're good. So how can I take away the hits from your career hits? So so say 10 years down the line, one of these guys becomes the all-time hits leader. But he had three seasons where he knew what pitch was coming. How do you take that away? Now, I feel like that's the catch-22 where they're like, well, we know they're cheating. Everybody knows they're cheating, but what else can we do? And I don't know if it's a situation where you really can do anything because those RBIs that they got, those hits that they got, those walks that they took, those wins that you you can't vacate the wins without vacating the title. You can never take away that championship parade that they had. Like all these things that happen, you can't turn around and undo. But and, And that's what makes it bigger than the steroid era or even the Black Sox, or even Pete Rose. Because if you blackballed Pete Rose from the Hall of Fame for betting on games as a manager, you can't let any of these guys in the Hall of Fame ever for whatever they do. You just can't do it because they were involved. So now Jose Altuve, he's dead as far as the Hall of Fame should go. This never with Springer. You should never be able to get in. It's not. Verlander, you shouldn't be able to get in either. Now, Verlander, even though I'll give you, A, you're a pitcher, also, B, your Hall of Fame career was in Detroit. This is the tail end of your career. You're just ring chasing at this point. But either way, your Hall of Fame career was in Detroit. You were a Hall of Famer in Detroit. I'll give you that. But you shouldn't make it either because y'all not going to let Barry Bonds in. Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer in Pittsburgh. Y'all not going to let him in for steroids that only affected him and his stats. But you can't let a whole team in that, and you know they were, and you know they were cheating, because that's going to affect every stat that they've ever had. And 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 I don't know if the bigger issue is the small market team finally makes it big, and you guys push that push that narrative so hard that you don't want to tarnish that, because you can't turn around and say the small market team made it big. They finally did it the right way. They went through the farm system. They they rebooted. Everything came together. Uh, great front office. Great personnel. Hard work pays off. Look what we did over here. And then be like, ugh, y'all was cheating though. Damn. Okay. Um. 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 This what we gonna do? We gonna say it was a couple of y'all, and everybody didn't know y'all was doing it. No, 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 no. We know everybody knew y'all was doing it, but we going to say not everybody knew y'all was doing it. Like, it don't make no sense. It don't make no sense because it turns around and you come to a point where it's like, man, I, I was a Houston fan, but now I, I don't know if I can be a Houston fan anymore because they were cheating. So now I can't believe my eyes. I can't believe those 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 those, those highlight home runs. I can't believe that bottom of the ninth double that you put off the wall. I can't believe those uh, heroic moments because now everything is tarnished or should be because like I'm saying, like I said, they, they're trying to, they're trying to kind of downplay it because 
you can't blow this team up and these characters on this team up and push this narrative of small market teams. Y'all can do it. Just just keep put, putting along and little engine that could and it's going to work. Look at what they, they had. Four or five losing seasons in a row. They had more than that, though, because they were terrible for a very long time. Even when they had the killer bees with Bijou, Bagwell, and no, terrible. But anyway, no, I digress. But the point is, you can't blow them up to the, to be this this great example, this shining example, and then turn around and be like, ah, yeah, yeah, never mind, never mind. We never mind. We've been telling y'all for the last few years. Nah, never mind. They, they, they. Yeah, they, 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 they mess it up. They mess it up. Nah, you can't do that. So what what other alternative do you have? You're just going to act like it never happened. Yeah, it's going to be a little media backlash right now, but it's going to act like it never happened. If you had more people, you had more press around Ryan Braun testing positive for steroids than you did at opening day of training camp for the Houston Astros. Just think about that. Just, just think about that for a second. Ryan Braun came out. He said, I don't believe that my test was right. I think that there was conspiracy against me, yada, yada, yada. This long, drawn-out, woe-was-me type story. And then when he came out for the apology, there was two, 300 media members there. At the Houston Astros camp, when you should be asking all the questions, all the questions, you should have, all, you should line all of them up, and this should be, uh, FBI interrogation style, old school, single lamp, metal table type questioning. It's like 50, maybe, maybe 50, because you don't really care for real. Nobody really cares. You don't, you don't really care. So you're not demanding justice. With Barry Bonds, y'all were demanding justice. And again, that can go back into the social issue of a black man getting over on the system. Basically what it was. Basically it turns into black man getting over on the system. Y'all didn't really care. Y'all didn't really even look at the fact that he was great before then. Y'all didn't care. Y'all just didn't like the black man getting over on the system. Y'all was cool with Sammy Sosa doing it because Sammy had the big smile and Sammy was Sammy was just media friendly and barely spoke English and it was just you, you didn't really care but Barry Bonds stone cold black man stone cold black man man stay, but Barry Bonds y'all stay out of my business I got my own I'm, I got my own trainers and point and I'm getting I know I'm getting off topic but the point they weren't even looking for Barry Bonds they weren't even looking for Barry Bonds they they came, they weren't even looking for a steroid scandal. That's the most amazing thing ever. They were looking at um they were they were looking for like tax evasion and embezzlement is the reason why they raided the facility in the first place. So they turned around and was like, wait a second, who is this? Why is his client say B bonds? Who is that? What's really going on here? Why is he? Wait a second. What's all this for? Wait, who? Let me speak to. Uh, and then that's how everything gets uncovered. But the point of that is that you had a black man getting over on society. That's how it was viewed. That's why it was such a big deal. But now when you have a whole team, a whole organization getting over on the on the league, it's like, eh, that happens. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, everybody. That's when, that's when you get to, that's when you get the stupid stories of no. Nah, everybody still signs. Nah, everybody still signs. Every, it, it it happens. It's just what. What? Man had a device he was wearing in the batter's box, with somebody with binoculars and lights and 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 telecommunication. How is that anywhere remotely close to okay? And why do you want to sell this to me as possibly being okay? It's like. You're not even suspending people in Major League Baseball. You're not even suspending them. It's like, y'all got us. Good one. You got that. Okay. Nah, nah, y'all shouldn't have did it. But, you know what I mean? Good one, though. We didn't even think about that. Good job. Look at this house coming off. Because you tell a couple of people, you know what? We can't let you be the manager over here in Boston. Nah, nah, man. We can't let you do that. You're going to have to quit. 
You don't have to quit or you're going to have to resign or get fired. One of the two. Or you want to play. Okay. You fired. No, we got it. We got it. We got it. We got to X some people out, man. Sorry. You got to take this lick. You got your ring out of it, though. You just got to take this lick. Oh, yeah. By the way, fired, still getting paid. So there's that. Baseball contracts are guaranteed. Oh, he's just not allowed to, he's just not allowed to manage anymore. A couple of them. Not allowed to manage. Not allowed in the front office. But they still got their money. Reputation tarnished. But they still got their money. So you got your money. You got your rings. You got all your accolades. You got all your memories. What's the punishment? What could possibly be the punishment? Oh, I, I, I can't coach anymore. I'm just going to take this 40 mil I got. I'll figure out something else to do. So, so you're steady slapping people on the wrist for a larger issue. But then when you get a steroid scandal, it's up, oh, got one. You, 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 you. It's terrible what you would do. I can't believe you would do that. It's because you can punish one. You can display them. You can put that scarlet letter on them for a little while. But then they can come in too. They set a little suspension. They come in too, and then that goes away. So what are you really doing, Major League Baseball? For anything. For any time there's a scandal, what are you really doing? So you can't play holier than thou on one issue and then not care about another one. You can't say, oh, cheating is, is so terrible and it's the integrity of the game and we're trying to preserve and this, that, and third. It's unsafe conditions. Because another thing about the steroid scandals, they were saying it made it unsafe for other players. But it's not unsafe for other players. But that's how you're trying to sell it. So to, to that I say, and I'll, and I'll wrap it up there, but to that I'll say is if you really dig down deep into the, into the Houston scandal and the way in which they were cheating, there's going to be more. <laughs> there's going to be more. More people are fit because we're results-driven society. And the results are clear. Championship. The results are clear. Contracts. People got contracts off cheating. Merchandise that was sold. Ticket sales that was sold. Viewership. TV deals. It was a lot of money being passed around off cheating. Those are positive results. And then when you put the negative basket up, a couple people got fired. Yeah. Got to answer some tough questions. Yeah. And that's all. So what's about to happen is you're about to have a larger issue on your hands of people cheating. And you're just going to have to be prepared for that. Or you're going to have to send out a memo and tell them to do it better and hope that you don't get anybody that snitches in the locker room like this time. And we're back with Almost Inappropriate. So this next segment I want to touch on NFL. And there's a lot of NFL stories, and, I, and I'm not going to go into the the larger NFL versus NFL players and, and all that type of thing because at the end of the day, the NFL is a business and we tend to fall in love with the stories of the NFL because that's the narrative that they push. And you even hear NFL owners talk about family and we're a family and um, somebody joins a team and you're like, yeah, they're part of the family now. We're going to embrace them as such. But at the end of the day, it's a job. It's a job just like your CEO running a Fortune 500 company is going to fire you if you send a wrong email to a client and you lose that client. Same same thing. But we tend to get love the love the stories of the NFL and we fall in love with those because that's what they push. And the, and they do a great marketing job. So, I'm not even going to go into the larger larger point of NFL and what they're doing to these athletes and it because or CTE or any of that cuz I feel like personally by this point you know what you're signing up for. You know what you're signing up for. I feel like athletes these days are smarter than they were previous. So, they know their shelf life of whatever position is a few years, or you can see when the downside is going. What I would like to see them do is a better job of prepping them when they first get into the league. But that's just another show for another time. Right now I'm going to get into the basic talking points of media and or NFL, and that is top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now. 
today. Now, I'm not talking about historically. I'm not talking about career. I'm talking about today. And four of the top five quarterbacks, arguably, four of the top six for sure, are black. And I don't personally think that that's what the league envisioned. I just feel like that is the direction that it's going based upon amateur sports. In amateur sports, for a long time, for the better part of a decade, to be honest, the best the best athlete on the field was the quarterback or skill positions like the wide receiver. Those were normally the best athletes on the team and subsequently the best athletes on the field. If you look at college sports back in, if you go to if you go to any high school football game the best athlete is normally the quarterback whether he can throw the ball or not he's the quarterback so when they get to college they move him from quarterback to whatever other position but they're normally the quarterback when you go into college that's why you have great college quarterbacks that don't pan out in the pros because you can't out athlete people in the nfl everybody is a first teamer Everybody is a first-team All-SEC. Everybody is a first-team All-Big Ten. Everybody is an All-American. Everybody won all these awards coming up. So now you have to separate yourself in some way. And athleticism is not going to be that way you do it. And you can get away with it in amateur sports. Like I said, high school, best athlete. You're you're not really playing. If you're playing one or two Division One players, Division One college players on the other side, they you're still playing another nine that's not. If you get to college and you have NFL type NFL quality talent on the other side, you still only have two or three. Maybe five, depending on what where you're at. SEC, you probably got a little bit more. But if you're in like the SEC, a Big Ten or it's a Power Five conference, not only are you playing NFL quality talent, you also have NFL quality talent. Which is why a lot of these quarterbacks in the in in college look great in college because they're surrounded by NFL talent. The side note to the point I was making, but you have quarterbacks that know just to get the ball to the athlete. I have to get the ball to the athlete. And I personally feel like that's what a lot of white quarterbacks are in big in the power five conferences. I have to get the ball to the athlete. And historically, that was perceived as intelligence. That was perceived as a high football IQ because you knew how to get the ball to the athletes. What changed the game is when the athletes became the quarterbacks. So even if I can't identify who to get the ball to, I can out-athlete a couple people in order to prolong the play. I can extend the play. I can run for a few yards I I can do all these things with my athleticism. So that changes the game in the amateur on the amateur level. So now when it trickles up, now now it trickles up and you look up and the athletes are everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. You have athletes are everywhere. But then they're also learning the game. So now where they're quarterbacks in college, now they're quarterbacks in the NFL. So now once you start to break down, now it's a limited it's a limited pool of black quarterbacks in the NFL, period. But once you really start to breaking them down, they're winning. <laughs> they're winning. There's really no other other way to put it. Like they're to the point of it made mass media have to acknowledge it. And that's when you like right now you're seeing a lot of people talking about the year of the black quarterback. No, the year of something means that it's about to stop. <laughs> like, like you can't say the year of something because that's mean that that implies that it's temporary or only gonna be temporary. Which I personally believe that they would like. They they want to see a paradigm switch of back to the all American looking image of what quarterbacks used to be. Because when you look at quarterbacks now, you have, I mean. General consensus, Patrick Mahomes is the top quarterback in the league. He's mixed, but he he has a darker melanin of skin, so he's going to be black today. Um, he is the modern-day version of multiple different quarterbacks, and 
he looks like he's only getting better. So you can jump on this train early because he's getting better. So that's Patrick Mahomes. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson initially learned how to win based on his defense. He was always a leader. He was never as dynamic as he is now, but he was always a leader. So he's always had that gene, and he's always been an athlete. So therefore, Russell Wilson gets it, makes it into this top five, top six list, however you want to make it. Lamar Jackson is not, I repeat, not the quarterback image that the NFL wants. He is not. He's great. He's a great story. It's, it's fun. He's fun to watch. He is not. Reason he is not the image that they want is because he is a unchanging, unapologetic him. He is him. He is him. He is the person he was in high school. He was the person he was in college. He is him. He is the player that when they say chip on the shoulder, he doesn't even have a chip on the shoulder. Because he's him. I'm, I'm going to be me anywhere. I don't need the chip on your shoulder. Y'all don't believe me? It doesn't matter. I'm me. I've, I've been winning since forever. I've been doing this. Well, this is what you're saying now. I've been doing this since forever. You're just now seeing it. So I don't necessarily need the chip. I might use the chip from now to time, but I don't necessarily need the chip because I know what I am. So he carries that everywhere he goes. He's not, he's, he's not ever going to be in the sense of, humbled because I can't be humbled. Like I don't, I don't care that I fell to the end of the first round. That's y'all mistake. Y'all did that. Doesn't that doesn't matter to me. Y'all did that. All I'm about to do is go out here and I'm just show and prove. I'm going to show y'all that I'm who I've been saying I was, but they don't really want that image. Then they don't really want that image right now. It's cool. It's a good story. You had a great season. Yeah. 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 But in reality, it can be dangerous. Because if he continues to win, now what are you going to tell him later on down the line? So I'm going to go from him to, like, Deshaun Watson. Now, I don't personally believe Deshaun Watson is the top five quarterback. Me, personally. I don't. I think I think he's good. I think he does some spectacular things. I think he has a great leadership genes. I think Deshaun Watson is what Russell Wilson was four or five years ago. If Deshaun Watson had the Legion of Boom or anything resembling the Legion of Boom, he would be in the Super Bowl as Russell was years ago. He he has that gene. He's not going to wow you with the outlet athleticism, but he's going to do just enough. He's just enough as an athlete where he can, he, can get, he can get things done for you. But he's not the off-the-charts athlete. He's not the off-the-chart accurate thrower. Um... He throws a decent deep ball, but not great. He's also throwing to the best receiver in the league. Best receiver in the league, DeAndre Hopkins, hands down. He's the only quarterback-proof receiver I've ever seen. The only one. And this is include, this is include uh, Antonio Brown. This is include, you can go back as far as you want to go back. Uh, I can even go back to Randy Moss. Because <laughs> cause Randy Moss didn't look the same with Kerry Collins as he did with Dante Culpepper. He just didn't. But he's him. He's, Randy Moss is a legend and a monster, but it's just the fact that DeAndre Hopkins is the only quarterback-proof receiver I've ever seen in, in modern-day history, period. So, um, now, but at the same time, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson is not a top-five, top-six quarterback. But he's great. But he's good. You, you go from Mahomes, Wilson, me personally, Mahomes, Wilson. I'm gonna put Lamar, but I feel like they might lead, might catch up to Lamar. But as of right now, today, I'm gonna say Lamar. I'm gonna put Aaron Rodgers in there. Reason I'm putting Aaron Rodgers in there because he's doing a lot with little weapons. Past Devontae Adams, he really doesn't have the weapons that other teams have. They just got a running game. They just got a decent defense, even though the defense tended to let them down in the second half of games last season as well as the second half of the season. It's like they schemed good, and then I don't know what happened with the halftime adjustments. I don't know what, but they would go up 28-3 to and then end up winning the game 35-24. You won, but 
you could tell that it it it, it wasn't as smooth as it should have been. But I'm gonna put so I'm gonna put Aaron Rodgers in there. After that, it kind of gets dicey. Like like people always want to throw like Drew Brees. Like if you really if you really look at at the stats and you really look at how the team was playing, Teddy Bridgewater did a better job with the Saints last year than Drew Brees did. It just is what it is. I mean, you you can say well it was a it was a small sample size, but the reality is the team was playing better. Teddy really should have won like seven straight. And he honestly was was one missed call away from winning seven straight. So, but everybody wants to throw Drew Brees, and 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 the, and the issue I have with that is that the narrative was never can can Teddy Bridgewater take the job. But it's supposed to be, because it's supposed to be the best person wins the job. But it was just, it was just assumed that Teddy was just going to be a placeholder for Drew Brees till he came off his injury. But you, so you never really gave him an actual look at taking the job. As soon as Teddy started playing good, the first thing they said was, "Up, oh, he'll be a free agent next year. <laughs> he'll be a free agent next year." You never said, "Oh, well, Drew's really going to have to, you know, come back healthy and improve." It was always. Teddy's doing a good job. Even now, even to the point of now where they're talking about Taysom Hill, uh, they might re-sign Taysom Hill and let Teddy Bridgewater go. What? What? How? How could you possibly justify that to anyone that you're going to sign Taysom Hill, the gadget quarterback, to any sort of deal? Like, yeah, I'll take him on my team, but I'll take him on my team like I would have took Tebow on my team. I'm not taking you to be the quarterback. I'm taking you to be an athlete that I can do some gadget plays with, run the ball on reverses, catch the balls on tight ends, uh, throw the ball on on uh, flea flickers. This is what I'm getting you for, Taysom Hill. This is what I'm signing you for. I'm not signing you to be my quarterback. I'm signing Teddy to be my quarterback. But I digress. My my point is, going back to the top five quarterbacks, top six, it gets hard. It, it gets hard when you get to a certain point because I, I could be biased and just throw black quarterbacks in there, but Dak's not a top five quarterback, but he might be in this climate because the quarterback play, honestly, isn't really great. You have a few good quarterbacks in the league, but you don't really have many. Like, you, you, could, throw, you could throw Dak, but nah. You could throw like Matt Ryan, nah. Like you, you Jared Goff, nah. Jimmy G, nah. No, like no, like like a lot of these quarterbacks are system quarterbacks. Jimmy G, system quarterback. Golf, system quarterback. So these aren't good players. Matt Ryan, system quarterback. You seen that when Shanahan left? Soon as Shanahan left, Matt Ryan didn't look as great as everybody was when he was Matty Ice making those comebacks in the fourth. Everybody forgetting that they had Devontae Freeman running the ball. Nobody really, nobody really, nobody really paid attention that Julio Jones was a monster, monster. And the only reason I say that DeAndre Hopkins is better than Julio Jones is because Julio Jones, Matt Ryan's been pretty durable his entire career. So Julio Jones has been basically catching passes from Matt Ryan his entire career. He's a beast. But I can't say he's quarterback proof in a way that DeAndre Hopkins is. It just is what it is. So the quarterback play is so terrible, and that's to my bigger point of your top five quarterbacks. Even though they're they're great, there's some great black quarterbacks coming up. They're not really great quarterback in play, like the like traditional quarterback in play. So it turns into can you make a play in order to make a play you have to be an athlete so therefore you have to be able to, to extend plays you have to be able to run for this first down you, ha- you you have to be able to make this unbelievable 70 yard pass you have to be that athlete cam mvp he was an athlete he out athletic people like that that is the 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 way it's shifting that is the paradigm shift in what quarter play, quarterback play used to be and what it is now Hence the reasons moving back, moving more toward black quarterbacks, because your your O line play is getting worse. Your O lines are not de- being developed in college as they were previous. It's, it is this is what it is. So therefore, your quarterbacks don't have the luxury to just sit back and just throw the ball. 
they get hurt. Matt Stafford is has a great arm. Matt Stafford might have one of the prettiest deep balls in the league. However, he gets hurt every year. The reason he's hurt every year is because the O-lines aren't developing like they used to be. So that means you have to move. So that means that that three-step, five-step drop, that might turn into an eight-step drop. That might turn into a, a, a two-and-a-half-step side shuffle, stiff arm, hit the man in the flat route. Like that's what that might turn into. And if you're not able to do those things, that becomes a problem. But the black athletes, the black quarterbacks, are able to do them naturally. So that that is the shift. Now, me personally, I feel like you can fix one and not the other because I don't feel like there's any real stopping the the movement of black quarterbacks, which is honestly just became prevalent in the past probably six years. Because when Mike Vick was running around, y'all didn't like him. Y'all didn't like Vick in Atlanta. Black people like Vic in Atlanta. Black people was, but y'all didn't like Vic in Atlanta. McNabb, y'all booed McNabb on draft day. Y'all didn't like McNabb either. Culpepper, y'all, Culpepper was in rap videos and all that. Y'all didn't like him neither. Yeah, so, so, so all the, so Randall, y'all don't really like Randall. Y'all was trying to get rid of Randall every year. Every year y'all was talking about how Randall um, wasn't going to make it or do this. Warren Moon, you actually bench Warren Moon and refused to pay him a bonus that he had coming to him simply because he was black. Nobody remembers these stories, of course, but I digress. So this 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 wave of black quarterback play probably started five, six years ago. And now you're getting to a point where now you're getting to a point where the the maturation process is starting to show itself. You're starting to have more you're starting to have more um black quarterbacks coming through the pipeline that are prototypical black quarterbacks or prototypical quarterbacks, but they're black. You no longer have, because if you look through the, if you look through the, uh, if you look through the high school top 50 at every position, the black quarterbacks are always labeled. If you go through them, if you see dual, dual threat, black quarterback because he can run he's an athlete and he may not be a, he may not be a quarterback at the next level but the problem is is that now when you're getting pro style quarterbacks some of those are black and and, and those pro style quarterbacks that are black they're going to be a problem in three four years when they get to the league because now it's no longer going to be the year of the black quarterback it's just going to be black quarterbacks and black people have already taken over all the skill positions. That's why Christian McCaffrey is such a unicorn, because it's like, oh, uh, you have a white running back, a good white running back? You haven't had a good white running back in a long time. Oh, my goodness, we need to push him as much as we can. They almost gave Christian McCaffrey the MVP this year. If they if, if they could have, they would have gave Christian McCaffrey the MVP this year. He finished, like, third. <laughs> like, come on, man, y'all tripping. But anyway, so... You you're about to have a whole new wave of black quarterbacks, and that's going to be a problem for some people. Like if you're if you're a kid in Baltimore growing up right now, who are you idolizing other than Lamar Jackson? Who? If you if you if you're a Houston Texas fan, who are who is your face of the franchise? If you don't use not now to that point, you want to use J.J. Watt as a face of the franchise, but he's not producing anymore. He's not producing any longer. So you have no choice. So now Deshaun's the face of your franchise because J.J. Watt always gets hurt. He's not on the field. Best ability is availability. So your face of your franchise is black. So now when you start going around the league, Arizona, face of the franchise, black. Cowboys, face of the franchise, black. Carolina was Cam, but they're going to move on from Cam. So, But face of the franchise was black. Baltimore, Kansas City, Seattle, face of the franchise, black. Wherever Teddy lands, facing the franchise black. I I don't know, man. I just feel like some of y'all need to get ready, man. Some of y'all, some of y'all need to get ready and start to wrap your mind around the fact that this whole year of the black quarterback thing is not just the year. It it's probably the wave, man. It's probably it's probably coming. You should probably you should probably get ready for that. And we man, on, on that note, man, I'm gonna go ahead and let it go, man. So this was the initial this was the initial 
pilot episode of the Almost Inappropriate Podcast. I hope you enjoy. Um, I want to spend a special thanks to Rodney Jones for inspiration and, and, and helping me out. I, um, I want to thank uh, Bad Racket Studios for letting me come in here and, 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 and do this. I appreciate that. Um, uh, thank you to our sponsors, APB and Associates, Bridgeport Solutions. Thank you, uh, Starbucks, for giving me the energy to come in here today because I was sleepy. <laughs> uh, it's the last time I'm going to do these without any type of real money coming in, too, by the way. Um, so thank you, everybody. And we're going to do this podcast once a week, almost inappropriate. Um, again, shout out to everybody that helped me out. Shout out to everybody that just simply just doing your best, man. So tune in next week and hope to see you guys there. Be safe.